Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Tonight I want to speak about um, the fight of the leader. It's not complicated and it's not long. But there's a fight in every leader. And this is the Game Changers Leadership Forum. And I, I just realized the greatest battles are not the external battles we fight. They're not the struggling economies, although those impact us. They aren't the challenges with kids, although that's real. They aren't um, careers that are challenging or a lack of excitement in the church. Our, our greatest battle is a battle for our own heart all the time. And I say this, it's a little bit, Durban's a little bit weird for me. I go back to many relationships, many of whom are now, um, big shots in their businesses and big shots in their churches or whatever the story is, but I have interesting conversations with people. And so I always come back a little bit contemplative, a little bit um, challenged, uh, and I process. I have to like debrief myself because I've got deep relationships. So every time, I mean, we sat with two people who in December last year lost their son on a motorbike accident. And then you speak, your other friends got cancer. And then you go, you know, these, life gets big. And I just heard statements. I heard statements from Long-time believers who walked with the Lord a long time, but I got concerned by some of the conversations. Sorry about that. Um, and these were some of the statements. Well, life is hard. Um, economies are tough. Church is not what it used to be. I used to be young and have more energy. It was easier when I had no kids. All these stories that maybe saying, well, that's common and that's a story. But I got challenged by it because I realized a lot of people are backing down. And I want to bring us a word. I want to just share on a couple of these things. But I want to bring a word from 1 Timothy, a charge from Paul where he challenges his leader, his young leader, coming through to a big story of the gospel. Because people say life is hard, but actually, the, what did the World, one, World War I generation think of life? Or the World War II generation? Or what did they think of life? What are people who are sitting in areas with no financial story at all thinking about life? What, what, what are they thinking? I mean, economies are tough. They are. But you know what the Bible speaks a lot about? Tough times. The Bible speaks a lot about tough economic times and how we are called to respond. And the Bible's not quiet. There are 13 different famines in the Bible. 13. It's not like the one or the odd one. Like 13 famines that impacted the story of the gospel, that impact the story of God revealing himself to his people. And I think we've got to be realistic and, and, and aware that, that we're in a tough time. This is a tough time. Sometimes we can live in a bubble, we can live in a small space, our world's good, we've got our world good, and we forget that there's a macro story. These are tough times. They're tough times for our nation, they're tough times for economics. I don't know anyone who is going like, this is incredible, I'm just milking. Most people in businesses are holding on, they're trusting, they're holding on to financial stories, they are cutting back here, there, and everywhere. But it's tough times, and I want to minister, because we can just move up and, and assume, well, assumption everything's going to be perfect everything's going to get no we got to understand how do we respond in tough times even in this room sharon's here keith's been on his back for weeks now how many weeks sharon four weeks longer been on his back i go visit him sitting he sleeps in that chair he he spends his day in that chair because he literally has not been able to move just you not that we all have to go visit him tomorrow but but it's tough times that's a tough reality there's some people who are not well. Many of you might know Beth's story has not been well. Um, and, and you hear. So these are just realities. But it's tough times in our world. And other guys make statements. I heard in Derbs, um, 
and, and uh, church is not what it used to be. Worship used to be longer. The preacher was more gifted. Um, I just felt it more, someone said. He's been safe for 30 years, and he's, he's absolutely he's like, I just felt it more. I'm like, what did you feel more, bro? What, what were you feeling? It's time to stand now. You've been walking a long time. We've got to call people on their ears. We got to call. I just, I'm just, so tonight's a little bit of a prophetic, prophetic ramble. I had to sit down with my boys because one's four, one's six, and one's eight. They're different. I have different expectations of them. So when the four year old does something, the eight year old can't just follow and get away with it because the eight year old needs to know better. And sometimes when you walk with the Lord a long time, there's some, actually, but I, I just said to one of us, but can I be honest? I was there when you got saved. You entered my life group. That was now 20 years ago. You're still acting like that guy. And we have to be able to call each other on those things sometimes. I'm not his leader. I'm not his elder. I'm his friend. But I've walked the road. And we've got to be able to call each other. And it's even better when we can call ourselves. And catch ourselves in these moments. And I think sometimes these tough times are given to us. Even things like I used to be younger and have more energy. Well, yes, but we now should be older and have more wisdom. And be growing and stepping into more. I'm just, these are exact conversations I've had with people. That's my holiday. I have weird holidays. Don't go to Durban on holiday. Um, and, um, but, but we should be celebrating the adventures of the young. Young businesses firing up. Young people with passion. We'll be celebrating those things. Calling them and, and pioneering and, and saying, let's go for it. And, um, you know, and, and the statement, the lovely one that all my friends, is easier when we had no kids. Um, no one ever promised an easy kingdom story. I don't know where that got in. It's going to be easy. It's going to be easy with kids. And our kids are going to be perfect. They're going to have no issues. Never, ever, ever. I'm not sure where that story ever came in. But, but I've got to be honest. When I was in my 20s, I was in a church that I honestly look back now and I think was experienced revival. Like real revival. Lots of salvations. Hey, Jen? I mean, it was like Sunday nights, 800 students, youth just... Couldn't, wouldn't miss. I used to go to church three times on a Sunday, not because anyone was watching, nor would anyone cared, because I just don't want to miss out. God was always doing something. There was an expectation God was going to do something, and it was radical, and it was this passionate thing, and we would pay any price. We would go, we would get in cars and drive to Mozambique. We would miss, miss um, sleep. We would gather ourselves. We would give energy and efforts and relationships. We'd give it all for the story because the gospel was big in our lives. The challenge is what I'm seeing in people's lives, and especially, and I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm processing Durban a little bit, which is unfair to you, so I'm not processing you, but I'm processing people who I think should be leading in the kingdom of God, but the gospel didn't get bigger as life got bigger. The gospel and Jesus, the name Jesus, the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus needs to get bigger in our lives as life gets bigger. Because here's what's not happening. Life is not going to get smaller. It gets bigger. So what we need is a greater revelation of Jesus, a greater understanding of Jesus, a greater unction of actually the call of the gospel and the power of the gospel in our lives and let it explode in our lives. I don't want to have conversations about the preacher anymore. I want to have conversations about Jesus. I don't want to have conversations about my church is not rocking my world anymore. I want to talk about Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Well, then understand, walk with him and you will be a life bringer in any story. And, and I want to call people to that thing. I, I'm just, it's got to be bigger then. Because when we get small, we, when, we, when we take our eyes off Jesus, we default to small. And um, I don't want to be on a journey to smallness. That's not the gospel. It's 
not the gospel. It's, it's a challenging thing when you've been walking a long time with people. It's a challenging thing. Everyone made that statement. It still haunts me. It's like maturity is walking with people a long time, and like it's like the same people a long time. It's a challenge, eh? It's not popular in our world, eh? It's like, I don't like these old, I'm out. Don't like you, unfriend. It's like, I'm all these things. It's so easy to just move on and get out and go into a new story. But, but Paul gives this charge to Timothy, and I want to read a scripture and just call a few things out of it. But Timothy is this, this young man who Paul invests his life into. He hands over ministry to. He calls him out from, from a whole different story into something powerful. And he's calling him, he's charging him in 1 Timothy into something bigger. And right at the end of 1 Timothy, he writes this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles, I'm not going to put up on the screen if that's all right. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Timothy is not in the Bible. We sat at someone's house in Durban because uh, the one thing about having a relationship for a long time is you can borrow houses and cars. And, um, but the problem is this house came with chinchillas. Has anyone seen a chinchilla? They're like, like a rabbit with squirrel ears. And they are nocturnal. And his ones are right outside his window. So they're quiet all day. Like, these oaks never move. You go to sleep the first night. I'm going to shoot that chinchilla. I'm going to bake it up for breakfast. And um, uh, anyway, use the story. Um, 1 Timothy 6. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Drop the mic. Walk out the building. Pause a gangster. And, um, you know, it's amazing that I read this scripture. It's just like, it grips me again. Got to read the Bible. Got to read the Bible just simple it's like got to read the bible and i read this and he starts i says but you to tim it says you man of god who are you see because if timothy was man of whoever he he his mum and his grandmother raised him he was a mommy's boy he, he was sick he was known as timid he was all bunch. and if he wasn't man of god he was all these things and Paul starts out, before he charges him, he just reminds him, who are you? Man of God. See, out of his man of God status as just a man, he wasn't that glamorous. He wasn't the natural go-to leader. He wasn't that guy. I want to say this, because of that status that Quinton reminded of, son or daughter, we are different. We are different like a, we've got to live with that reality that we are different. And in these times, it's more important than ever in tough times, in pressure times, in times where, where, where the pressure's on, it's more important than ever for us to live from our heavenly identity than our earthly one. 
And I love it that Paul, at the end of this whole book written to one guy, still chooses to remind him at that last juncture, before he gives him the charge, he says, man of God. He says, you are different. Your processing is different. The way you, your value system is different. The reasons for your choices are different. The reasons for your hope is different. The reasons you will take up a challenge is different. The reason you will raise your children in certain ways is different. It's just different. Why? Because you're a man or a woman of God. We are different, guys. And when we live from that place and we understand we have revelations in our hearts and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Jesus Christ. We are different. We've got to be reminded of that sometimes. We so work hard to not be different sometimes. And we have this default setting. But actually the gospel, man of God. The way you run your business is different. Why? Because Duran, man of God. Man of God. It's, it's got to settle in us. 18 years old. Woman of God. So the way you process, and the way you process your life, and the thing you allow your fears to go to and default, no, 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 I process a difference. I default to faith. I default to God has my future. God has my promises. I only lost a friend on the weekend to a stray bullet. How do you process that if not as a woman of God? Because if you default the other way, it breaks you. You've got to go there. You've got to be reminded. In yourself, every day, man of God, woman of God, I'm different. I'm set apart. I'm, I'm resourced from a different atmosphere, a different story. And the way that I will process my life, my decisions, my everything, every day, is different. Is this all right? And, and uh, he gives him these four charges. He starts out this, and he says in the scripture, flee from all of this. Flee from all of this. And he's speaking about specifically two things that you would see higher up in the scripture. The first one is false teaching, and the second one is a love of money. He says, flee from all of this. He says, you are different. Flee from this. Don't hang around. The other area flee is used. Flee from sexual, a hint of sexual immorality. Don't negotiate with it. Don't play with it. Don't tolerate it. Just flee. He says, in these areas, flee. Flee from false teaching. I want to say that false teaching we also is not necessarily like the obvious cultish stuff. That's, that's the easy one. False teaching to me is just anything that would present itself as a teacher that comes against the word of God in any way. Whether they are looking to mislead, misguide or not. I would say most false teachers that present themselves as teachers of the gospel actually don't have bad intentions actually aren't super evil villains that are looking to corrupt Christians. They're just not. Sometimes they are just potentially ignorant. Sometimes they haven't done the work. And sometimes they haven't gone to the Word of God. That happens. Our job is to make sure we don't follow them. Our job is not to direct their steps or correct every step that they make. Christians are giving so much energy to fix everyone else's issue, but we've got to get back to the big thing. My job is to follow Jesus. It's my job. I'm not there to correct everyone in the world. It's such a tiring thing to try to do. Honestly, my job is to not follow false teachers, which means I have a responsibility to make sure that I am following Jesus and I am on his word, and we've got to be careful how and what we partner with. 
there is an obligation to not follow false teachers. Actually, be careful what you partner with. And in, in relationships, in conversations, you know, if you're not a confrontational person, you might sit with someone and someone will say something outlandish and you'll think, the best way I can love them is just go, yeah. No, help them. Help them. Love them by helping them. And if you don't know the answer, go to the Word together and find the way. Galatians says some pretty unpopular stuff in the church. You'd be astounded to know. You'd be astounded to know how many people have already challenged some stuff that we've said. I don't think we've gone to the big issues yet. Galatians should challenge it. That's the point. That was the whole point he wrote it. Hello, Aiden. He, he wrote it to challenge in the church and what the church was on about and how the church was going about their business. Galatians should force us to questions. We're going to get there now in the series, but it should. If I want to tell you, how do you flee from false teaching? Remain in the word. Remain humble. Remain teachable. And remain in relationship with God and with his people. Remain in the word. Remain humble. It's a challenge. I, 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 I I really, I am, and I've been speaking about it a lot, so be careful. I have a challenge with Facebook and the arrogance of believers. Just being honest. Arrogance. And I'm not asking for tolerance. I don't think love equals tolerance. Please don't hear that. And I'm not talking, but I'm talking the way that we engage each other in a public forum. We think like the world's not watching. I'm like, are you crazy? Phone each other, meet. Get together, or don't. But don't do the pseudo-relationship. Anyway, I'm having a rant. It's all good. <laughs> Remain teachable. Are you teachable still? Oh, but Mark, I've walked with the Lord a long time. Yeah? Are you teachable? By the Word of God. Not by someone else's revelation that's maybe slightly better than yours. Not by the Word of God. Are you teachable? Are you in relationship? The sure way to walk a long road is to journey those things out in relationships over a long time and hold each other to account on things we've said and done. Got to sit with, I, the cool thing I go back to, I get to sit with guys and have a conversation. Yeah, but just telling you, just reminding you what you said then and how you presented. You've got to take account for that because you've presented yourself as a teacher. So anyway, the second thing that he says flee from, and I don't want to, is the love of money. And South Africa is in an economic recession. The Bible is not silent about the issue of money. And we love the scripture, Proverbs 3, well, I love it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your paths straight. Oh, that's so nice. God's going to make my paths straight. I'm just going to trust in him. Just going to carry. You know what it says just after that in verse 9? It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, all your wealth. See my wealth? It's my finances. It's my children. It's the good things I enjoy in my life. It's all of it. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and your vats will be overflowing. Overflowing. And we've we got to do the whole context of Scripture. We've got to take people to Scripture. And it's quite a thing. I sat with a guy who, who's had a long walk with the Lord and... Um, and for, for a while now, his business has just been doing shh, this. 
and he's getting grumpy and he's getting emo and he's getting grumpy with his wife and he's getting grumpy with this and he's grumpy with everyone. He's just a grumpy bear, but I do love him. And um, we got to sit down at a coffee shop. I was just talking and saying, tell me what's happening, this, this, this. I said, okay, well, let's go to the basics. Uh, you know, I believe in tithing, not as some law, but as a freedom-giving, life-giving, my way of worshiping story for God. I'm just telling you. I've said that openly, I completely to believe it, and I believe there's unbelievable blessing in that story for me. And, 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 and I've got to tell people, and I'll, we can do the word on that, and we're going to have to do it, because I realize there's a lot of ignorance in the story. But I'm sitting with people who's been saved, someone's been saved for 25 years, and he said to me, well, I said, well, have, have you been doing the basics? And he knows what I mean, we've walked a long road. He says, well, I just want to tell you, he says, well, I met with this guy two years ago, and he had a differing opinion on tithing, so I stopped tithing. So what was the opinion? I didn't really know, but it was different. So I stopped. Said, and I just, I was like, clever God. I said, but are you joking? On someone's differing opinion, someone who's, because they seem to evade wealth in this life, you've going to choose a route based on someone's differing opinion. You haven't gone to the word. You're not going to argue with me. The, let, let's do the theology at least on tithing. You've been saved for 25 years. I'm not dealing with someone who got saved last week not going to sit down with someone and go save last week and of first importance i'm going to grill you and make you agree with me on this no no but someone 25 years there's a maturity story that has to come and and are you giving so okay so whether you call it tithing or not let's wrestle that stuff i'm happy to read but are you giving because it's pretty hard to deny that one he says actually not i said but well, then let's get a story. But let's understand this. The Bible's not quite on economic terms. And actually, we have to understand that we can produce fruit in human terms. But it'll be human fruit with now realities. But it won't be God's supernatural fruit with eternal realities. Where there's blessing beyond and what cannot be explained of this earth. And the favor that man will walk in. Because they are sons and daughters of the living God. I want to call people to that again. I've, I've got a, there's a fight in me. Which leads me to my next, to the next point. So he says, flee. False teaching. How do you, false teaching? Remain humble. Remain in the word. Remain teachable and relate in relationship. It says, from the love of money. You know what the love of money is? It's not just when you love it so much, you like the money team and you've got a bag of money and you're throwing it out. No, it's when you're waking up in the middle of the night in cold sweat because you're not sure there's going to be enough of it. That's what the love of money looks like. Just because we're in recession, and we are. Don't deny it. It's not like, well, we're not. Recession. No, no, we are. But my God's not. My Father isn't. I'm not going to live like that. And then he says this. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So obviously our greatest pursuit is Jesus. But Paul comes in and he says, actually, Timothy, I want you to pursue these things. He said, pursuit is hard. Eh? It's hard work. I tried to pursue my kid on the beach because he said he was quicker than me. So I pursued him. It was hard work. I did win, but I also did cheat a little bit. But um, I had to pursue him. There's, there's a pursuit in these things. And I, can't, I wish I could take it off us. It's like uh, Justin's got so much on him. He's got kids. He's got work. He's got, I want to take it off him. And Paul says to this leader, he says, I want you to pursue these things. It's still a challenge to us. Will you pursue righteousness? To, to be morally right in a tough economic time where, where some of our leaders are being exposed as completely not. Oh no, but I don't have to because Uma doesn't. Not the answer of a believer. I'm just telling you. It's just not. 
There's no space for that. We are the ones who always come in the opposite spirit. That's who we are. It's just what we do. It's called being a believer. He says, godliness, representing well, faith. I'm going to talk about faith a little bit more. Pursue faith. Pursue faith. See, anyway. Love. Not tolerance. Love. Different. Our world thinks love equals tolerance. Let's start preaching a gospel where love is actually love. Endurance. Gentleness. See, pursuing is tough. But I want to say this. We are always pursuing something, even if we don't know which way we are going. We're always pursuing something. And whichever direction we're going, there's something that we are pursuing. But I'd rather say, make a conscious decision of what you are going to pursue and go after it. Go, go after Jesus. Go after him at this time. Go after him with faith. Go after him. Trust him on his scriptures. Trust him on his promises. Go after him. Pursue and watch his faithfulness. But I want to jump to this part. It's, it's, it's kind of where I land. Fight the good fight of faith. I'm not sure about you, but when I get a little tired, I lose vision or get confused. I don't stop fighting. I just start fighting the wrong battles. None of us stop fighting. There is an inert fight in us. And, and we start fighting the wrong battles when we get tired. I saw this image, and, and um, it, it's like a meme, one of those memes on Facebook. It's like, fight for what you believe in. And this guy's standing with a placard, pizza, uh, pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Have you seen that thing? It's like he's fighting what he, be- he believes pineapple shouldn't be on pizza. I'm like, Christians, let's not be like that. It's, it's a stupid example for a very real reality that many believers have forgotten the big story of the gospel to get people saved, to get them matured, to get them doing the same thing and see that story happen in our lives. And when we take our eye off that, we stop fighting the fights that are worth fighting and we start fighting the fights that aren't worth fighting. And um, I mean, there's just so many, I've heard so many people cast the devil out of Durban. I was there this holiday. I think the devil's still there. I've heard the devil cast out a Durban so many times. He's confused how many times it was. But, but we've we, we, we got to fight the fights that God's called us to fight. And understand, I saw this amazing movie, and if you haven't seen it, it's been around a while, so I'm going to be the movie block. What do you call it? Spoiler alert. That guy. Hacksaw Ridge. Have you seen it? And everyone said Hacksaw Ridge. I thought it was like, like a hacksaw guy with like a chainsaw. It's not that at all. It's probably as gruesome, but it's not that. And it's about this very simple dude who God, he, he believes in God. Yes, he has some, some ways about him that we might, but, but he goes to battle with, as a conscientious objector, he won't kill anyone with a weapon, won't carry a weapon. So he goes into battle. It's a true story, true, true story. And he goes into battle and um, he doesn't carry a weapon and they don't want to let him go, blah, 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 blah. He gets there. Anyway, they have a major battle. There's wounded everywhere and the Americans hightail out of the battlefield and they climb down the ridge called Hacksaw Ridge. He stays up there. And he stays up there all night. And, and he's, he's in the battle as a medic. And he starts running around. He gets one person. And the guy's legs are missing. And he carries him to the battle. And he lowers him down the ridge with a, with a, with a, with a, with a what do you call it? A rope. All the way to the bottom. And then he prays. You see him pray. He's a simple man. He just says, God, Lord, let me just get one more. And he runs in the jet. The, the enemies are around. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the enemy's around and, and he's, he's going around and he gets one and he carries him off and he lowers him down. He says, Lord, let me get one more. And he goes 
And, and the, 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 the Americans at the bottom of the wall, like, who are these guys coming down? They don't know who's sending these guys. All night he goes till his hands are totally gone, till he has spent every last sense of his energy, and eventually he gets the last guy down, and, and the enemy is coming at them, and he gets himself down by quite a radical Hollywood way. And, um, and, and the, his prayer the whole night was, Lord, just one more. See, his prayer was one more, but he saved 75. When we stop celebrating the one in our story, stop preparing prayer to fight for the one. I'm telling you, we lose the big picture of the gospel. I want to remind you the, the incredible, I, I remember with, with such close clarity the, the, the nervousness of leading my first life group. I was so, so nervous. I remember the nervousness I had the first time I shared the gospel with one of my best friends. It was like, flip, does he still want to be my mate anymore? You're in that like 18-year-old so, you know, like, sorry, not you, you're not, I was. And, um, and, but it's like, will they still want to be my friend if I tell them what I really believe in? And all the first little one moments in your life, I remember them clearly. And yet sometimes we, 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 when we stop praying the prayer, Lord, let me just get one more. See, our war is different. Like that guy, he didn't fight a war with a weapon. He fought war with faith. In that story, our war is different. We have to respond differently. How are you responding right now to what's happening in our country, to what's happening in, in, in the challenges to the church? To how are you responding to economics? How are you responding? Fear, anxiety, concern, neg- negativity being consumed? Or are we responding, Lord, just let me get one more. It's not complicated, this gospel, I guess. We shouldn't spend thousands of hours talking about God. To other Christians. We shouldn't. We should spend thousands of hours talking to God about what He wants us to do with the 70, 80 years we got. And it should drive us to get back in the fight of faith. Are you in the fight of faith or are you just in the fight? Because the fight of faith is different. The fight of faith will make us do things that won't make sense to the world. It, it'll, it'll call us to stories that won't make sense to many people. And yet it's the fight of faith. And it's the Lord. Let me just get one more. Just one more. Uh, Edwin was talking about Lucas. Where are you, Lucas and Janine, who were part of this last... Um, they came back to church probably four weeks before we did length. They came to length. Whole life he's there at... Um, site five, handing out clothes, just weeping, loving people at the handout um, with uh, the love renovation. Uh, the family of um, the Ruan's family who've come and they've just got stuck into church. They were absolutely nowhere. They came Sunday morning. They came to starting point lunch. Came to church that evening. You've got this kid who has been separated. He's at a different school. He's found family. He's found friends. He's found security. It's like, God, just, just let me get one more. Not another big meeting. Not another big conference. Just one more in my life. And then I will be part of a story where we're all living for just one more. And I promise you it'll look glorious. It'll just, it'll look glorious. A couple of things to fight that I think are good fights, worth fighting. And I just want to mention, again, when when we get tired or confused, sometimes we're at risk of fighting the wrong fight and we start killing our own people. Like our wives and our partners in the gospel. With that fight, rather than directing it at the enemy and his advancing story that we need to Fight, fight small faith. Man always defaults to smallness. As leaders in the story, I want to 
continue to encourage you in tough economic times. Fight with God's weapons. Sow seed. I don't know how else to tell you. Sow seed. Keep sowing seed. Keep putting in the ground. A field will not bear fruit. Weeds will grow, but a field will not bear fruit unless we keep sowing seeds in every area. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking in your time, in your energy, in your prayer life. Keep praying for others. Make sure your prayers don't live at, Lord, give me my daily bread. Don't live there. Don't live there. Live in the big story of the gospel. Live from his fullness. Live from his provision. Live from his story. And find faith because we default to smallness. And it's a challenge. And um, young families, fight becoming small. Or we'll have people in our home when we're older. Or, or, or no, it's just fight becoming small in every area. It's different for each of us. The leadership challenges. Just a couple of questions. When last did you have someone, when last did you invite someone to your dining room table who in no foreseeable way could benefit you in any way? When last did you have someone of a different race, different economic reality, different background around to your house? The, the, when last did you use the excuse, my place is too small? Jesus said to the disciples, feed them. He said, but there's lots of them. No, just give me what you've got. Boom. Give, keep giving God what you've got. Keep, keep giving it. What, you got. What, do you, what have you got? Give it. And allow God to do supernatural stuff with it. It's like, this is the gospel. This is not even clever stuff. Have you stopped sowing time, energy, finances, prayer? Have we become rational? Got to, I've got to fight. I'm sitting with, with Richard and Libby wrestling some considerations around healing, and I've got to fight. I've got to fight back to a place. I've got to get in the word. I've got to get back to a place. Of God, I'm going to keep contending for healing. I've got to keep. No, well, I'm just going to allow others are running. No, no, no. Now, I want to live in the fullness. Fight self. Self-justification. Self-obsession. Self-rationalization. Fight for others. The gospel's obsessions with the one. Fight the lies. You know what thrives in these economic times? Dodgy investment schemes. <laughs> they thrive. Because people are desperate and they do stupid stuff. But, but it's, it's, a, it's an insight into man. We want the way out. We want the quick. No, 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 fight. Fight with faith. Fight the lies. That, and, and, and here's one lie that there's a... There is a difference. It's not a lie. Here's the truth. There's a difference between fear and wisdom. Or oh, I'm just being wise and I'm going to batten down the hatches and when it opens up. No, that's called fear shrouded in nice words that sound like wisdom. Wisdom's a thing. It's just not that. We've got to find it. And then the last challenge, he says, take a hold of eternal life. See, eternity for the believer and the leader, it can't just be a concept for one day when. I've got, I got to live with eternity. Right now. Right now. My kids, I need to live with eternity. In my heart. So they catch an eternal perspective in their hearts. And um, take a hold. Which You know what you've got to do to take a hold of eternity? You've got to let go of the temporal. You can't take a hold of eternity if you're holding on to now. Me now. My story now. If you're holding on to that, you're never going to be able to fully take a hold of eternity. 
He, he charges Timothy, says, take a hold of eternity. What is he saying? Timothy, if you die tomorrow for the gospel, it's all worth it. That's what he's saying. So, which means letting go of idolatry. Whole bunch of stuff. Two quick stories, and we're done. One, my own heart. Every time I go back to Durban, I find my heart thinking. Because I drive past this big fancy office called Unilever where I work my butt off to get somewhere. And my kid goes, Dad, did you work there? And then I meet someone who was my subordinates who knew absolutely nothing and looked to me for everything and now they are driving very fancy cars and got big titles. I've got to find my heart again. I wrote myself letters three times in my life. Once when I got married, once when I left the marketplace and and when we came to Cape Town because I knew I needed to be reminded of what God had called me to and what he said. Why? Because only his voice matters when the pressure's on. And when my kid looks at me and goes, Dad, we don't have as nice a car and house as all your friends have in Durban. Because Judah sees that stuff. I'm going, but God said he would sustain. God said he would provide. God said. When I take my eye off what God said, I'm in trouble. And the second one is this. Is a, we... uh, Candace's back has been a challenge. So many of you are asking, I'd rather just tell it's been a it's been a challenge. And uh, I've I've been very inspired by my wife. I've woken up some nights and she's weeping. Some nights she's lying on the floor because the bed we're staying on wasn't great and it was a hotel bed and, and a B and B and she's trying to make a bed. I'm going to the bathroom, tripping over her stuff. I'm like, what was that? But then one morning we we decided to pray together and we were just praying and I was just praying good prayers, you know. Those good prayers. And um, my wife just started to pray, and then she just started, she just decided to reel off Psalm 16, like the whole thing. And um, just sort of actually in the season, if it wasn't for this trial, I'm not sure she'd have Psalm 16 deep down in her heart. So deep down that in an early morning prayer, it would just flow. Because that's the word of God. It's the word of God that says, you alone are my portion, Lord, and my cup. You make my lot secure. It's, 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 it's incredible. It's the word of the Lord that says, you make known for me to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. It's the word of God. There's so many words out there, guys. I know we've got to go now, and I've been a bit longer than I wanted to, but I, I want to remind us and call us as leaders to hold on to the Word of God. Just hold on. Every area. Hold on to the Word of God. When young people who are innocent get shot. Because you don't have the answers and no one does. You've got to hold on to the Word of God when your job gets taken away from you. And then you've got to say, God, what are you saying? You've got to hold on. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. And when your husband has a stroke, heart attack, hold on to the word of God. Hold on, fight the good fight of faith. Is that all right? It's just, can I pray for us? Oh Lord, we just come tonight and I'm just grateful. Grateful for your goodness, your faithfulness, your kindness to us. 
Thank you for every amazing person here tonight, Lord. Thank you for those who weren't able to be here tonight. Pray your blessing on each and every one of them. But I pray these words would ring out. Flee. Pursue. Fight the good fight. Take a hold of eternity. Would you allow us to flee? Even some thinking we've allowed, some voices to influence us. Would you allow us to flee? The love of money to flee. Why? Because you know our hearts have a default setting. You don't say play games, you just say flee. And then to pursue. But to fight the good fight of faith. Again, look at this room, I'm humbled by some of the stories, Lord, years of fighting, years of calling. It's like, fight on. Some new stories, fight on. Pray, Jesus, you would have all the glory, all the honor, all the praise through this story called Life Changes in this amazing city of Cape Town. We want to be captivated by that name. When all the noises are shouting, all the voices are shouting, when fear and anxiety want to cry, creep into the depths of the quietness of my heart, I pray, Jesus, would your name and your anthem be the loudest in my life. We worship you, Jesus. Amen.